while we get into Luke 8. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and open it up. And we're going to start by just reading this whole passage, 21 verses. Um, but what an amazing and challenging passage. Uh, I've been so blessed by it this week as I've been studying. Um, it's, it's, it's been tough. Uh, but what a wonderful difficulty when you struggle with a passage that really challenges you and, uh, and puts a mirror up to the parts of you you don't want to look at. Like when you get a bad haircut and you see it in the mirror, you think, oh, that's, that's awful. Um, but, uh, but with this, it's uh, what a wonderful thing to have that mirror up to our heart and, and to see these angles that we need to see, uh, that we need to change, or rather, we need to let God change in us by the power of his word and his Holy Spirit working together as we just get out of his way. Um, so let's read this, and then, um, and then we'll pray again, because uh, I don't need me, I need, I need the Holy Spirit and God's message today. Starting in verse 1, chapter 8. Soon afterward, he went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their means. And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, He said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it, and some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture, and some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it, and some fell onto good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, he who has ears, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what the parable meant, He said, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God, the ones along the path of those who have heard, then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no root, they believe for a while. And in a time of testing, fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that found in good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those uh, those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care then how you hear, for to one who has, more will be given. And for, from the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. Then his mothers and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Let's pray. Lord God, there is some challenging truth in here that you have, you have communicated to us, to everyone. I pray, Father God, that our hearts are soft and that we're ready for it. Please don't let one of my words escape, but every word chosen by you and your spirit for these people and for me today. Let us be blessed by your word. Amen. So let's take the first chunk real quick. Uh, so skipping the intro which uh, um, I don't think needs a lot of exegesis. It's pretty simple about the people who are there with them, given out of their means. And, and I love it that they highlight women there who are just so important 
to, uh, to the world and the body of Christ. Um, and he moves on to this parable. And, uh, and the way Jesus told parables is he used a physical analogy that everybody understood to explain a deep spiritual truth that not everybody would understand. Uh, and here he's using the, the, uh, the parable of the, of the sower. Um, I like to call it the parable of the soils because it's really less about the sower or the seed and really about the soils. Uh, but th- right now he's, he's on the lakeside and, and the Sea of Galilee. And the Sea of Galilee is surrounded by farmland. These guys knew exactly what was going on in this parable. They knew exactly what he was talking about when he talked about the roads that crisscrossed the countryside and through fields. They were packed hard over the years, probably about three feet wide, which is kind of narrow, but they didn't want to take up too much farmland. But these things crisscrossed fields and the countryside. Jesus and his disciples um, walked through one of these in Matthew 12, and they said they were walking through uh, the fields, and his disciples were grabbing wheat and eating it. That's because it was just right there on the side of the road, because it was crisscrossing through fields. This is trampled hard through generations of travel. And, um, and when, it, when it said the birds ate it, it, it was just like a dinner plate, packed hard. And so seeds can't get in. It's dry. Nobody's going to water it. It's the road. That's weird. Uh, but it, when the seeds hit it, it, it can get stepped on, but it doesn't mean it's going to get into the road. And the birds is just waiting to say, oh, yeah, cool, snack time. Um, and he's talking about the rocks. And everybody would have known that because these, these people take these roads. That's how they get places. They take these roads that pass through these fields. And then he talks about the rocks. And I don't know if you know much about the geology of the Middle East. I didn't before studying this. Um, but there is, uh, not too far under the surface, there is limestone bedrock in a lot of places. Um, and so you can plow and do your best that way. And of course, as you're plowing, you're going to get rid of the big rocks that you can get rid of. No farmer is going to leave a bunch of rocks in his, in his field. Um, but under where you plow, um, you, you may not know that there's limestone bedrock there. And so when he's talking about these 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 plants that, that uh, don't have deep roots, that can't get deep. They know, what they know that that's, they, they get that. Probably all of them, if they'd been involved in farming instead of fishing, had seen what looks like an amazing crop. It's like, wow, these things are doing great. They just, they're just popping up there. I mean, they're just coming straight out of the ground. This is just amazing. Um, and it didn't take long for a hot sun to scorch them. Because when all the moisture is up in the plant and it's not in the root, it's, uh, it's, it's not going to survive that kind of heat. Um, these guys know what he's talking about there. Um, the thin soil predates, uh, prevents the deep roots. And when he's talking about the weeds, they, of course, know all that. Um, everybody here knows how weeds grow, and everybody knows how sneaky weeds can be. And you can try to get the root, but if you just miss just a little bit of it, um, sometimes they can revive just this tiny little piece of root you didn't know it was there, and they're back. Um, and the thing about the weeds is they're the natives to the soil, not the wheat. Uh, they plant the wheat, but they don't have to plant the weeds. The weeds are always there. Um, and they know how sneaky those weeds can be, and they know how resilient and strong those weeds can be, and they know how those weeds are going to take the moisture first because they're tougher, and that's their, that's their home turf. Um, and so as he's telling this, this parable, they all get it. They, it they, and, and depending on the time of year... Um, I, I couldn't find any enough specifics about when exactly this was in comparison with seeding time. Um, but I like in my, you know, in a romantic view of how this is going, he's telling the story as people are casting their seeds along the, the lakeshore in their fields. And, and what a, I mean, these guys know how it looks and they know as they're, these, these farmers are casting their seeds and, um, and it's a whole different process back then than it probably is here in Walla Walla where you got these nice fields that are real clear cut, clearly defined and, um, and you've got, probably really cool machines for planting seeds. These guys have their bags and they've got their measured steps and they've got their years of practice scattering the seeds, but inevitably some are going to fall on the path. 
Inevitably, there are going to be rocks they can't see. Inevitably, there's going to be weeds they couldn't get to or sides of the field that just aren't theirs that they don't really tend to. And so there's weeds over there too. These guys all know that. Um, and, uh, and recently, um, after I'd prepared this message, I thought, you know, that's kind of a funny thing for Jesus to just say. Um, just telling that quick parable, he who has ears, let him hear, is the end of it. Um, and, he, and he waits for people to ask about it before he explains it. Um, and I thought that was pretty, that was pretty interesting. And, it, and, it, um, and it's just a little side note, but it's just so cryptic. And it's kind of like that old wise man that you hear in like legends who says the cryptic things that nobody gets. And it's just inscrutable what this guy means. Um, but there's the, there's the parable. And I love it that Jesus explains it next. And this is where the hard truth comes in. Um, and, and I pray that just as Jesus said, he who has ears, let him hear. Um, if you've got ears, hear it. I don't care how many times you've heard this parable. It's for us today. Hear it. Hear it. These four soils. Jesus unpacks the unseen beyond the obvious. He gets past what everybody knows to what they need to hear. He gets past what everybody can see and what's obvious and evident to their culture and gets to what only he can teach them because he is the bringer of truth. He is the savior. He is there preaching the gospel and, uh, and bringing attention to the condition of someone's heart can, um, can, just, uh, can, can change things. Um, but let's start first at the road. The road is um, heartbreaking. These are the hearers only. The hearers only. The road, they're trampled by the lifestyle of sin. And this is how we're all born. Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. This is everybody. This is how we're born, hard-hearted and impenetrable, lost in darkness and sin, dead to anything spiritual, enemies of God. Um, this, is, uh, this, is, this is the natural state of people. Um, and I want you to notice something too. Um, this, uh, it, it, the seed doesn't just disappear. The seed is scattered on the road and it isn't just disappeared, it's taken. I want you guys to know that. We have an adversary. There is an, um, an active force trying to keep people from hearing the truth. And in the sinful hard-heartedness of our natural state, we are just, it's just so easy to be taken. It's just so easy to be taken, snatched through false teachers and worldly thinkers, through fear of man, through pride, through doubt, through arrogance, and most commonly, encompassing all of this is just the sin in our heart, trampled by this world. Um, the devil is just waiting to take it. Ephesians 2, 1 and 2 uh, says this, And you were dead in your trespasses and sin, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, it goes on to say, following the prince and power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience is now at work. That is not a passive thing. The seed isn't just going to rot and die. It's going to be taken. It's going to be taken. These people come to the church and they don't hear it. They don't hear the message if they come to church at all. These are the people that, uh, um, that you, you, you give a Bible to or you share the gospel with and, and that's it. They think you're crazy. Um, they kind of shake their head. It's like, that guy's bonkers. Um, how could you believe in Jesus? There is no God. Uh, and, and that atheism is really gripping our world. It's spreading. Christianity is seen as foolish as opposed to a beneficial thing to society. It's seen as foolishness more commonly, more and more. Um, I think in Iceland now, 
Christi- uh, religion is, is, is less than 1% of the population. Atheist and agnostic as a nation. Uh, that is the future. It's, it's just getting darker. We are in a hard-hearted road of a world. Praise God that that doesn't have to be how it is for everybody forever. God can change a heart. And if that's you, if you've heard the gospel a million times and it just doesn't sink in, if you love coming to church, um, but, you just, but it's, just, it's just a Sunday thing, you don't really hear the message, it doesn't really get into your heart. If you have friends that, uh, that don't hear the message, it just goes in one ear, out the other, don't despair. God can change a heart. Let me go back to Ephesians 2. Thomas, it's not up there, so don't stress. Um, let, me read, uh, let me read verses 4 and 5. Um, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Um, that doesn't have to be our state. Pray for those who are hard-hearted. If you are hard-hearted, I pray for you this week. Pray that God will bring you back to life bring you back to life. Christianity is not something you add to your life. It's a life. I mean, there's, we're dead before Christ and we come to life. He reaches down into death to get us. And these hard-hearted people don't have to stay that way. Pray for them. Pray for them. And if there's a section of the Bible or a message that you hear that you are just resistant to, pray for yourself that God will change and soften your heart so that you're not a heavily beaten, trodden road that nothing can get in where the message is just easily taken away. Oh, that's a hard one. That's most of the world. The Bible does tell us that it's a narrow road that leads to life. There's not a lot of people that are going to walk that. There are more people that are going to be hard-hearted than not. Don't just assume because someone's nice and goes to Bible studies that they're not hard-hearted. Pray and be desperate for God to change hearts and change your heart if you're hard-hearted. Second soil, the rocks the rocks. Um, Jesus describes this. Uh, let me go back to the passage. Jesus tells us that the, uh, um, they're the ones that hear the word and receive it with joy, but they don't have any root. They don't have any root. There's rocks there that don't allow depth, and so they get scorched. These people, we've all seen people come to the Lord and just seem like they're just so on fire, and it's so exciting. It's awesome to see someone come to the Lord and they're just ablaze and you can't stop them. There's just so much passion and they're just, it's just, it's, uh, it, it, it's life-giving, you know? You just, you're like, oh, I remember what that's like. Oh man, that's awesome. I feel that now. This is great. But about the warning here is, is these people who receive it with joy, but don't have the root there. Don't have the root there. So maybe they come to church and they feel like they found the answer to this earthly problem they have. Maybe it's an abusive spouse, an addiction, no money and two jobs and five kids. Maybe it's depression. Maybe whatever it is. They come and they may find like, oh my goodness, these people have so much joy. The, the, the preacher mentioned this will change my life and I'll have the joy of the Lord. This is the answer. This will solve this. And they're just so excited to find this. And there is hope in the gospel but it's not a life fix-all. Salvation doesn't change the sin in the world, the consequences of sinful behavior. It doesn't change our job. Um, it's a heart change. It go, it, it, the, the real transformation of the gospel is roots in our heart that changes from the inside out deeply. It doesn't start with the fruit. It starts with the root. And these people, 
can cry and repent and start serving with passion, but find out later the cost is too high. Too much personal sacrifice that's required. They find out, they get there and they find they still have that addiction. They find they still have that horrible boss. They, still, they find they still have no money. And they can't, they don't have that strong root and they're scorched. Um, before I get to this example from John 6, this one is, is tough. The root of this is selfishness. It's selfishness. And this gets unbelievers and believers alike where we'll have something we, something we want that we maybe can't get. And, uh, and we, can be, we can be scorched by that when our root is not in salvation. Um, John 6 is a great example of of this type of soil. John 6, uh, it starts with Jesus feeding 5,000 people. They've been hearing him, hearing him preach, and it was getting late, and they're like, oh man, we got to get some food for these guys, but, um, you know, 100 denarii is not going to feed everybody. Uh, what are we, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough to each of these guys to get a little, so Jesus takes this little boy's Lunchable, and he feeds 5,000 families with this little guy's snack. Um, and it's amazing. And it was probably this pickled fish and, and, and bread. And back then, this was a time when you had to get all the ingredients for bread if you wanted bread, and you had to make the bread to get the bread. Um, and, and if you wanted fish, you had to prepare the fish. But Jesus invented fast food here because he produced a fully, bra- fully prepared meal for everybody. And that's amazing. And these people were just so excited about this. They were listening to Jesus all day and something amazing happened and they were so passionate that the next day they went and found him on the other side of the lake. They went and found him and they were just so excited to to be there with him and then Jesus lays on the challenge. And it's cool to see this whole example of the soil in in this chapter here. He lays on the challenge to these people saying, you just want food. Like you're just looking for more fast food. Like you're not here for really you're not really here for me. There's something bigger going on that I don't know, I don't think you guys can handle. And uh, um, what verse is it? Um, I think I wrote it in my notes here. Yeah. Um, okay, so real quick, before I get too far ahead, I want to read you this verse. 6.15, Jesus left because of this. And what an amazing uh, just example of this. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus left. They were so passionate about Jesus. They wanted to make him king right then. But Jesus knew their hearts. Um, Jesus knew their hearts, and he gave the challenge of what it's really like to be a disciple. Um, in John six fifty three, he talks about, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. And he gives them this really challenging truth about joining in him and, and really partaking of his, of his body and blood. Um, and talking about bread that came from heaven, not bread like his fathers ate, miracle bread from God. And they're like, we want this bread. Um, he just lays on the challenge. And, uh, um, and in verse 65, this is why I told you, no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. And then verse 66 says, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. He lays down this challenge of what it's really like, of faith and obedience, and these difficult truths that come with Christianity, partaking of his body and blood. And, and, um, 
and it was just too much for them. Uh, it was too much for them, and they were scorched and fell away. They were excited about the bread. They wanted to make Jesus king, but they couldn't hack the sacrifice that comes with it. Their selfish priorities got in the way of dying to themselves in order to live for Christ. They were rocky soil. It only went so deep. And it's that type of, that type of seed where you think, oh man, there's going to be an amazing harvest. Look at this. This is incredible. This is so exciting. He's serving with passion. He's praying for his neighbors. He's in 12 Bible studies immediately. This is incredible. He's serving everywhere in the church. I don't know how he does it. Um, or maybe even a more mild example of just the, just the guy who comes and cries and he gives his life to the Lord, but then gets scorched because it's just the cost is too high. The cost is too high. And then there's the weeds. And uh, this one is as tough as the road um, in a very different way because the weeds fill churches. Pews and churches all over the world are filled with weeds. Um, These weeds, the seed hits the soil, sprouts and grows, but the weeds are still there. The weeds are the natives, and the seed eventually gets choked out before it can do anything. It doesn't produce the hundredfold fruit that the good soil does. It gets choked out. And it says these, these, these weeds are... Uh, um, oh, it's on the next page here. These weeds, they're uh, the cares and riches and pleasures of life. These are the vestiges and the, the fruit of sin in our lives. The weeds. They don't do any good. They just choke and they swarm. They're strong. These are the things that keep Jesus a piece of our life instead of being the purpose of our life. These are the things that we refuse to let go of that keep us from true repentance and salvation. These are the things that keep us reading the word of God but having an unchanged life. When we go to church and we serve, we read the word of God, we believe, but we're not letting the word of God change us and hurt us. C.S. Lewis said that pain is God's megaphone that he uses to speak into a deaf world and that the blows of his chisel and hammer that hurt so much shape us into what, we're, what we need to be. But a lot of us shy away from that pain because we love this. We love this thing. I nicknamed the weeds the 12th man Christian because, I know, right, Gary? <laughs> that hurts. It's too convicting. <laughs> yeah, I feel it, man. <laughs> I feel it too because there are things I want to argue about with the word of God. No, 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 but, but, but I've got such good motives and it doesn't really affect my walk, but, but really there's these things I'm holding on to, these things I'm unwilling to pull the roots out. I'm unwilling to dig deep and hurt myself to get out of my life with the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. These are the, 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 the worldliness that we try to hang on to. And I use the 12th man as an example because sometimes in churches, people disappear when the Seahawks are playing too early in the day. And they make their choice. Am I going to worship God today or am I going to worship the Seahawks? 
and we all have those things. Mine is different than yours, but we all have these things that when it push comes to shove, we're going to say, I'm going to worship this instead of Christ. I'm going to worship comfort today instead of preaching the gospel to this person. I'm going to worship myself today instead of sacrificing this money to go buy a sandwich for this homeless guy. We make these choices that reveal our weeds. A life lived with weeds is a life lived for the weeds. You can't serve two masters. <clears throat> oh, man. The uh, rich young ruler is a great example of weedy soil. In Luke 18, um, Jesus tells the story, of, uh, the, the story of the rich young ruler comes up. And, uh, and he comes up, hey, what do I need to do in order to get eternal life? And uh, Jesus challenged him, hey, why do you call me good? Uh, which he said, good teacher. And, and he says, you know, you know the laws, don't, don't do this, don't do that, honor your father and mother. And the guy said, yeah, I'm keeping all those. I'm keeping all those. This is great news. And then Jesus said, give everything, uh, take everything you've got and give it to the poor. Jesus knows our hearts. He said, take all you've got and give it to the poor. Jesus knew this guy's weed. He knew exactly what kind of dandelion was growing in this dude's field. He said, give it, take everything you've got, sell it and give it to the poor. And it said, the man went away sad because he was really rich. In Luke 18.24, Jesus says this, how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. He continues, for it's easier to go through, uh, for a camel to go through the eye of a needle for than a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. I'm not hoping that God takes away all the stuff you love in life, takes away all your pleasures, your health, your wealth, and everything you love. Um, I'm, I'm not going to pray that for you. But if that's what it takes to get you to weed your life and turn to God and believe in the gospel, live sacrificially for God and die to yourself, so be it. What's it going to take to change the way you live based on what the scripture says? If you have ears, hear. This is, this is the tough one. This is the tough one. Weeds are sneaky and they were there first. Weeds are sneaky and they were there first. It is incredibly difficult to give it all to God and incredibly easy to add Christianity to your life. Ooh, all right. Shake it off. We'll be okay. All right. Let's talk about the good earth. The good earth. Now, I want to warn you, when you're hearing about the good earth, it's easy to think, oh, thank you. I am good earth. I've been saved. But I want you to remember Weeds want to come back always. So as you're listening to this good earth, think of it as a goal and as an ideal and as something that you need Jesus to do in you, not something you have achieved. Don't be confident when thinking about your own righteousness. Be confident if you're dying to yourself and let Jesus live through you. Be confident if you're desperate for the change that God can make in you. Because good earth is just dirt. It is just dirt. The seed is the gospel. The sower is whoever sowed it. We can water and plant, but God causes growth. It doesn't matter how good of a farmer you are, you can't put life in these seeds. Only God can cause growth. Don't be thinking that you have attained good soilhood. You are just dirt. And what a wonderful, what a wonderful thing to be, dirt that God can plant in and produce fruit. It's a wonderful thing. Well, let's talk about the good earth. And I love Spurgeon. Spurgeon, uh, Charles Spurgeon was just a, 
boomy, thunderous, gospel preacher, bearded man. Um, and I love what he has had to say about beards. It is a habit most beneficial, manly, and scriptural. Um, yeah. uh, but here's another Spurgeon quote, a little bit more applicable. Um, talking about the good earth, he said, Not that it was good by nature, but it had been made good by grace. God had plowed it. He had stirred it up with the plow of conviction, and there it lay in ridge and furrow as it should lie. When the gospel was preached, the heart received it, for the man said, that is just the blessing I want. Mercy is what a needy sinner requires. Mercy is what a needy sinner requires, because we are just dirt. We are just dirt. We need God's life. Good soil is dependent on Christ for everything, and they are satisfied with that. Let me say it again. Good soil is dependent on Christ for everything and is satisfied with that. They don't have the rocks of selfishness because what do they want apart from salvation and mercy? They don't have the weeds of their past life because they want God to plow it and take care of it, knowing that they can't do a sufficient job. They realize they're just dirt waiting for life, waiting for the mercy of God, waiting for salvation, and waiting for the change of the Holy Spirit. They are satisfied with a life lived, needy and destitute for God's sake, to do with what he wants. They are ready to get out of his way, not bring their weeds or rocks into the mix, but get out of his way to let him plow the field so, uh, and, and grow the seeds and produce the hundredfold fruit, which is like a crazy productive field. Um, you, I mean, that's just, even for this, I mean, for any time, hundredfold is just crazy productive, especially for primitive methods. They, they're looking at like tenfold is like score. Twentyfold is amazing. Thirtyfold, fiftyfold, hundredfold, that's just... That's the kind of life only God can bring. And when you take that analogy a little deeper into our life, when we come to Christ, it's not just that we get to do good stuff here, but we get eternity in heaven, a hundredfold fruit, a hundredfold. It's not just this life that we, we get to do good things for him and get to have a relationship with him and be satisfied by his joy and his word. We don't just get that for this life. I mean, what an amazing blessing that would be. We get it for eternity, hundredfold life. Oh, man. Let's go to Colossians. Let's go to Colossians 1. And um, if you've never spent much time in Colossians, do it. it. It does not take long to read through the whole letter. And when you read through the whole letter, it just flattens you with the love and um, just miracle of the gospel. Oh, man, read Colossians in one chunk. It'll change your life. It is so good. But verses, uh, chapter 1, 21, starting at 21, it says, And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body and uh, in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Oh, what a miracle. And it's not our doing. Like Larry mentioned today, it's not, it's not what we can do. No one can boast about it. We're just dirt. We need Jesus to bring us to life. We need Jesus to bring us to life and make us productive in order to present you holy and blameless 
and above reproach before him. Oh man, what a miracle that is. Let's continue though. In verse 23 it says, it's not up there, just keep that there because, oh yeah, there it is. No, we're good. You got it, Thomas. He's better on my notes than I am right now. Uh, Verse 23 says, If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. If you continue stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel, which is God does all the work and we just need him a lot. You can't go to enough Bible studies or memorize enough scripture, go to church enough, give enough to the poor, do enough good stuff in order to have that life change. You just need to need Jesus a lot. That, that recognizing that we are dirt that has rocks and weeds in it, we need to be softened and plowed and prepared, and then we need the gospel in our life to produce anything good. That is all God. Our role is to just need him a lot. But how hard is that? That is hard with the selfishness that is underneath the surface of all of us and the weeds that were there first that we love to have because there are our pleasures. We just need him a lot and he will change us and make us holy and blameless and above reproach. True salvation produces that enduring soil. Soil that can't soil and, and, and life that comes out of the soil that's not going to be scorched and not going to be choked by weeds. Oh, man. This story is not about the sower. Any child or fool can throw seeds around, and some of that seed is going to hit soil. Some of it's going to hit rocks. Some of it's going to hit weeds. Some of it's going to hit the road. It's not about the seed, which is the gospel, and the power of salvation. Like I said, God, God causes the life. Even the best farmer can't produce life himself. They can just work on what they have control over, water, nutrients in the soil, all that stuff. It's the seed is the gospel and the power. And, and, and for those of you who are believers, um, sowing seeds is easy. Having a weed of fear of man that keeps you from sowing seeds is also easy. <laughs> um, but we are just to throw the seeds out. The presentation is not going to hinder the gospel. You can, you can really jumble it all up. I love this story. Uh, my, old, uh, my former pastor, Jeff, um, he, uh, he talked about how the first time he went door-to-door um, sharing the gospel, he just really fumbled it. He said, looking back on it, he goes, it's like, I'm not sure it was like even all there. Like it was all backwards and, and twisted and it was all in the wrong order and I stumbled and fumbled through it. And the guy believed. Like after the worst gospel presentation ever, the guy believed. Why? Because we don't cause life. The seed is not ours. We don't make it. We don't cause it to grow. We're just supposed to throw it. And any fool can throw seeds. (laughs) Any fool can throw seeds. If God can use a donkey, he can use each one of you. Just just a hint. God is the one that causes the growth. And then he goes on to further the challenge and uh, continue hurting us because it's so convicting. He goes on to talk about a lamp. This is part of the same passage. This is continuing to explain the parable he just told. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed. He puts it so it can put light out into the world. Jesus 
is the one lighting the lamps, by the way. Remember, he's the one that causes salvation in us and changes us because we can't do it ourselves so no one can boast. He's the one that lights the lamp and he's putting it out there so people can see it. The fruit that, he, that comes out of the good soil is evident um, because it's, it's, just, it's, it's growing. I mean, it's, it's fruit that's there. You, you can look at a tree and say, yeah, that, those are apples growing. You can look at the field and say, yeah, that's wheat. I see it. You can see even the tops of carrots, even though the carrots underneath, you say, oh yeah, there's a carrot under there. Um, fruit is evident. Light is evident. Light is evident. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Fruit is evident. Fruit is evident. You, there's no such thing as a secret Christian. If you're a secret Christian and you're not doing anything, you're not sowing seeds or discipling and admonishing others with the word, you're not discipling your kids, if, you're just, if, if the only thing about you that's Christian is your attendance here, your weedy soil. Oh. Life and fruit is evident. There's no such thing as secret invisible apples. That doesn't exist. <laughs> Don't hang on to that hope that I can just go to church and read my Bible and be fine. No, you've got a job to do. Do your job. Spread the seeds. <laughs> Spread the seeds. Take care then how you hear. Take care then how you hear. For to the one who has, more will be given. Think hundredfold fruit. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks he have will be taken away. The hard-hearted one doesn't even think he's got anything because he doesn't care. Um, that's in one ear, out the other. Hard-hearted. Pray for those people. Pray for those people. But for the other ones, there's maybe a little beginning of that seed. There was a little bit of, there's a reaction there. They think they've got it, but it gets taken away because they don't remove the rocks of selfishness. And they don't remove the weeds of their sinful life. They aren't repentant and they aren't out there to glorify God and humble themselves. It'll be taken away. Eternity is at hand. I don't know what's going on in space right now, but there could be an asteroid right there waiting to crash down on our church. Do you really want to wait in order to live for Christ? Do you really want to wait and say, oh, oh I, 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 can, I can do that later. I really love this weed. It's a really cool flower on this weed right now. Sure, I'm not producing any fruit, but this is fun. This is nice and comfortable. Oh my goodness, don't wait. Eternity is at hand. If you have ears, hear. Oh, man. And then he drops it again. His brother and his, his brothers and his mother come, and they can't get through. And he says, so that people can hear. My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Whoa. Whoa. Guys, your fruit is going to prove your root. You're either producing and you're good soil, realizing that you're just a needy sinner, you're just dirt, needing the life of Christ. Or you're not producing fruit because you're being scorched or, you're being, or you've got weeds that you love more than Jesus. Those weeds can sometimes be good things too. People sometimes put church programs above Jesus. They put, they put um, BSF is a wonderful program, 
But some people put BSF above their relationship with Jesus. Some people put Awana above Jesus. Some people put their, their Bible studies above Jesus. Some people put being on the worship team above Jesus. I've done it. I'm a, I'm a PK. Um, I grew up in the church, and I have put Christianity above being a Christian. I've put Christianity above Christ. That's a weed. My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Fruit is evident. Light is evident. Check yourself. What kind of soil are you? What kind of soil are you? One thing that's wonderful about honest fellowship with people around you is they they can see your blind spots. Be vulnerable with those people who are here today, with those people you go to Bible study with. Let them know what's really going on. You'd be surprised. Some of them might say, dude, that's selfishness right there. That's not living the gospel. Some might say, man, that's that's a weed. You've got to pluck that thing. Pray to God that he'll remove that from your life. We're all guilty of these things. That's why I hurt so much studying it this week. It was just, I can't believe I have to preach this. Like, how do I, like, why? I can't be the one to say this to you guys. Like, I'm, I should be in the seats hearing it too. We have weeds to get rid of. We have rocks to get rid of. And only Jesus and the gospel can do it for us. If you have ears, hear. Oh, man. Take care then how you hear. Take care then how you hear. Are you hard-hearted? Are you blocked by self-resistance, clinging to worldly desires? Or are you ready to die to yourself and live for him? Picking up your cross is not a glamorous thing. It's a tool of humiliation and death. But that's the only way to be good dirt. Oh, man. I'll be praying for you. Please pray for me. We've got hard work to do, guys. And uh, it's hard to lay down self and be good soil. All right, let's pray. Lord, Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for loving us so much. You're not content with us to just to be hard soil, the road, God. You want us to be with you. You want us to be holy and blameless and above reproach. You are just ready to do the work for us, God. You have done it. You have finished it. You died on the cross for us. God, I pray that all of us can die to ourselves and take up your life. They can take up the, the gift of salvation and, and, and eternity that you have just waiting for us, God. We love you and we thank you. We are here for you, God. Please soften our hearts, plow our fields, God, and, and, uh, and, and, and produce in us a fruit that changes those around us, God, a light that is evident. Oh, do good things through us, God, as we try to die to ourselves. We love you, God. We give you today. Help us worship you with the way we live this week. Keep us in your word. Keep us hooked on prayer and marveling, marveling at how beautiful and wonderful you are. Our good father who just wants us to be excited about you and a life with you now and for eternity. Help us be good soil. Amen.